Our scripture this morning comes to us from Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. On the third new moon, after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. The word of the Lord. Holy God, once again, we place ourselves in front of your open word, asking that you would allow us to find ourselves now in the holy drama, a drama that includes even us. Speak to us, we pray, in the name of Christ, amen. Since we are creatures made in the image of God, we yearn for holy, 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 whether we realize it or not. It's just part of the wiring. It's part of what it means to be human. If we go too long without any encounter with something that is transcendent, something that inspires awe in us, something that makes us want to bend our knees, our souls begin to wither. But this awe, if we attend to it properly, frightens us. This is what Rudolf Otto was trying to famously uh, claim and seeing that we're both drawn to and repelled by holiness. We're drawn by the insatiable thirst of our souls, but we are repelled by the fear of being consumed by this holiness. So we're actually rather torn when it comes to holiness. Three months after the Red Sea crossing, the Hebrews have come to the base of Mount Sinai where they have made their camp. Here they're about to have a terrifying experience of worship. I think if worship is done correctly, it always ought to be at least a little terrifying. Like the Hebrews, we're... We're camping at the base of a holy mountain. At the top is the creator, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who is holy and righteous. So we continue on in chapter 19. We read on verse 16, on the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning as well as a thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of a trumpet so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. 
And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. You know, there's a reason why we do not have theater seats here in Miller Chapel. Why we don't serve lattes on the way in. Why we don't have a drive-by window. You could just pick up a little spirituality on the way to something else. No. We're not trying to make anyone comfortable with holiness. We're just trying to encounter this one who breathes life into our souls, even if that scares us. The Irish monks speak about some places as being thin, thin places. What they mean by that, it's places where the veil between heaven and earth is so thin you can see the holiness. That's what we're after in worship, another glimpse of holy, holy, holy. The way we reassemble at the mountain of God is by using old texts called scripture, We tell old stories called the gospel, sometimes we sing it, and it's all a way of remembering, remembering, that's the thin place. Through our holy memories, we encounter God. Remember what I did, God said to the Hebrews. Remember how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Remember that it was I, the Lord God, who changed your destiny from slavery to freedom. Remember. And in these memories, we're both caught up with the love of God and made just a little bit afraid. An old couple pulls down a tattered shoebox off the shelf in the closet. They place it between them as they sit on the sofa. They take the lid off, it's filled with photographs. They pass the photos one to another. It's like a liturgy. They've done this before. They'll do it again. Every time they pick up another photo out of the box, they say, remember when, remember She pulls out a photo of him in his military uniform. She remembers how proud she was of him and how terrified of him going to war. That's what love costs, fear. Pulled up one of their wedding pictures. They remember how excited they were about that day and how absolutely scared they were. Pulled up a picture of their daughter holding a puppy, missing a front tooth. He remembers all of the vacations, the horrible camping trip that went awry, the long, boring commencement addresses. She remembers the hard labor, giving birth to this child that they didn't think was going to make it. He then pulls up a photo of the daughter in her wedding dress. He remembers, remembers how proud he was to stand tall. And when the minister asked who presents this woman to be married to this man, he said, her mother and I do. It was this proudest moment of his life. And then he remembers being terrified to sit down in the pew and leave her up there alone with this guy. Such fear. He pulls up a 
photograph of his wife with just a scarf on her bald head. It was taken a long time ago, but he remembers how scared he was when she got cancer. They look through some more memories. They put the lid back on the box. He gets ready to put it back up on the shelf. And then they both consider what they dare not say to each other, that probably before too long, one will lay the other into the arms of God. That day will be horrible. They're afraid of it. But it's what love cost. Through the memories, though, they, they believe. They believe in the eagle's wings that carried them through all of that. And they know that that love and grace will carry them all the way through. Remember, it's the only way we're going to be able to live with the uncertainty, the awe, the fear. Remember, I am your holy God and obey my voice. We don't even hear God's voice most of the time because it's drowned out by all the other voices around us. Voices telling us that we're probably not going to make it all the way on the journey. Voices telling us that we're on our own if we do make it. Telling us to try harder, to achieve more, to buy something else. Voices that tell us to worry about the mythical them who are to blame for our problems. But then we come to worship. We reassemble at the base of the mountain and we remember we remember that we have not remembered the voice of God. We remember that we've broken through our limits, that we've created idols with our own hands. We remember that we've made an unholy mess of our own lives and of the world. We remember that there's no way we could ever climb the mountain to God. It is too high and we have fallen too low. So as we keep telling the old story, as we keep remembering it, we get to the part about holiness climbing down to us. We get to the part about Jesus Christ, a God who was so passionate for us that he was dying to forgive our sins, dying to love us. I love that part of the story. So does the author of Hebrews. He's fascinated by how the coming of Jesus Christ has transformed our relationship to God. Listen to this parallel passage from Hebrews 12. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire, a darkness, and gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose word made the hearers beg that not a word be spoken. But you have come to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant. Therefore, let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. What? On this side of the mercy of Jesus Christ, we're still talking about God as a consuming fire? Maybe you thought in the New Testament we were given a kinder, gentler God than they have in the Old Testament. No. What has changed between the Old and the New Testament is not God 
but you. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are restored and loved. In Christ, you are freed to reveal holiness through your own acts of mercy. In Christ, you are given communion with the God of fire. So we still fear this holiness. Not because we fear judgment, but because we fear the love of God, a sacred lover. This one's going to be hard to manipulate. You have no idea where this love will take you. It's an awesome love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.